Welcome to the LifeHouse Church Podcast. LifeHouse is a church that exists to invite all people to live an uncommon life by following Jesus, doing life together, getting in the game, and leaving a legacy. We hope that today's message helps you grow as a follower of Jesus, gives you perspective to see yourself and others differently, and inspires you to make a difference in the world around you. Now, let's get to this week's message. Good morning once again, LifeHouse family. Man, Kristen and I, we just sincerely want to, want to say thank thank you. What a great honor it is to lead Life LifeHouse. I mean, you guys make it easy. And I sincerely mean that. I talk to pastors all the time, and they tell me about the drama in their church. And I'm like, man, I'm glad for LifeHouse. <laughs> thankful for LifeHouse. I'm thankful for just the people here. And uh, I mean, honestly, what a great honor it is to love and serve the Lord alongside with you. Because the truth is, without LifeHouse is not built on two people. LifeHouse is built on many. We are the body of Christ. And so we just sincerely want, want to say thank you. Um, and we're just looking forward. We're six years in, coming up on seven years, and we just know the best is ahead. I mean, on, honestly, the best is ahead. And so, surprise. Okay. Um, well, hey, one thing before we dive into God's word today, we just want to invite you out to Starting Point Social right after first service. is going to be in Theater 20. Starting Point Social, if, if you're new or new-ish to LifeHouse or you've never been to a Starting Point Social and you want to join us, it really is a starting point. If you haven't had the opportunity to meet myself or some of the other staff members or you just want to get to know other people in our church, this would be a great event for you to come. It's a 20-minute meet, meet and greet right after service is done in Theater 20, like I said, and we would love for you to come and hang out with us there. We have your food and child care taken care of. We've, we've got snacks, and then if you do have children, you can feel free, leave them in the child care areas, and you can pick them up right after starting point social. But like I said, it's going to be, be about 15, 20 minutes, and we just want to take some time, talk with you, and get to know you, and put a name with the face. So if you're new or newest to LifeHouse Meets in Theater 20 right after service, we'd, we'd love for you to join us. But uh, we're going to dive into God's Word today. Would you please stand up with me again? We're going to pray and prepare our hearts, minds, and spirits to receive God's Word. We always believe that whenever we take this time to listen to God's, God's Word, it's not just about you listening to a person. This is about you submitting your life to the work of the Holy Spirit that is here right now. And we believe that one touch from God can change your life. One word from God can change your life. It's not about what I say. It's about what the Holy Spirit can speak to you right here, right now. Because here's what I trust and believe. As I preach, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. That though I'm saying words, the Holy Spirit is speaking to your spirit. And um, ultimately, you don't need me. You need him. And so that is literally my prayer every single Sunday is that you would hear from the Lord. And so that's kind of what we do is when, before we dive into God's word, we kind of just pause and we pray and we kind of have a moment of demar like a line of demarcation that kind of says, hey, from this point forward, my mind, my heart, and spirit is submitted to you, God. Whatever you want to say, say it. So if you wouldn't mind, lift up hands with me. There's going to be a prayer on the screen behind me. I'm going to start off, and if, if you would join in with me, let's pray this prayer together as we get ready to hear God's word today. Spirit of God, you are here and you are moving, speaking, challenging, comforting, convicting, informing me to be like Jesus. Today, open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, our hearts to feel, and our spirits to discern what you are saying to us. Let us be not just hearers of your word, but doers of the word. And everyone said, amen. Give someone a high five and you can have a seat. 
So we are on the downturn of our Jesus End series. This has been fun over the past almost year, just talking about the life of Jesus, looking at certain topics from Jesus' perspective. But we are coming to kind of the final parts of it here in the new year. I'm really excited what the Lord is laying on my heart for 2024 and what he wants to, wants to kind of speak to us in our Sunday gatherings. But today I really felt led that as we're kind of concluding this Jesus End series to and really the whole purpose of this series is to look at the life of Jesus and what he has said. Um, and Because I think sometimes we can go to the Bible and we can kind of think what Jesus said about things or we can hear what other people have said about things that Jesus has said. And sometimes it's, we just need to look at what words that Jesus actually said. And so we have been looking at that. And today I, I want to talk to you about Jesus and legacy. Jesus and legacy. One of the core components of what we call here the uncommon life is that our heart is for you to leave a legacy, that you think about what you're going to leave behind as you are currently living, is, 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 is that we want you to think about, this might seem a little weird, but we want you to think about death. We want you to think about your final day because when you, because I, I just, I, because I just really believe this, when you think about your final day, it impacts the way you live your current day. And it really is about reverse, reverse engineering your life to say, when I am dead and gone and people are talking about me at my funeral or I'm not having a funeral, I'm having a party. <laughs> That's my one wish. Look, grieve, but at the same time, party. Because I'm going to be with Jesus, and I'm going to be happy. I'm, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be healed and whole. I'm not going to stutter in heaven. Look at God. You know what I'm saying? I don't have to think about the words I'm going to say. I just probably say them. Right? So, so, so like, it's because it's like, I'm just like, I'm, I'm going to be good. Right, And I want there to be celebration, but in order for that to be a celebration, I have to think about what am I going to do today? Because for some people, when they're gone, it's almost a party, but not for the right reason. <laughs> Welcome to Lifehouse. If this is your first day, you're just diving right in. We kind of go hard, hard here, but... You know, it really is, though, about reverse engineering your life and saying, what legacy do I want to leave? And if this is what I want to leave, how do I reverse engineer my life to make sure that happens? So, you know, I've, I've got a son that's uh, about to be 13 years old in March. And one of the things that we're going to do as a father and son is we're going to uh, do what, something called the Primal Path. It is this father and son discipleship journey that, that a pastor out of New York City has created so fathers can disciple their sons. And one of the, the things that he tells fathers that when he's thinking about, that, that, that what he tells fathers is that as they're thinking about this, this important time period of their child's life from 13, 18, where you are trying to form them and shape them to think like men, and when they leave the house, they aren't gonna have extended adolescence. They're gonna be ready to step into manhood. That, that when you think about this period from 13 years old to let's say 17 years old, 18 years old, he says, I want you to think about their high school graduation. He said, I want you to think about your son on his high school graduation, coming up to you, putting out his hand and saying, dad, thank you for, he said, what do you want him to say? 
Even thinking about that, I want to cry. He says, what do you, Dad, thank you for showing me. Dad, thank you for telling me. Dad, thank you for giving me. Dad, thank you. He says, what do you want him to say when that hand goes out at his high school graduation? What he is saying is, think about what you want at the end and then reverse engineer a path and plan to get there. That's the mindset of legacy, y'all. Is that when we think about what we want to actually leave behind, we have the opportunity to actually prophesy that by what we do in our current day. That's why to us, the uncommon life is thinking this way. It's like, what if we all lived in light of our last day? Lived in light of eternity, how would it affect the way we impact? Now, I love what the book of Psalms tells us and kind of the whole framework for this is found in Psalms where, where this is what it, it says in Psalms was a book of songs that there was like five different writers of the Psalms and they would all like write different songs and they were just, what I love about the book of Psalms is it shows you the range of human emotion and that it is okay to be a human being. Some people feel bad for feeling things even as a Christian. They're like, why do I feel angry? Because you're a human. Why do I feel like I wanna hurt this person? Because you're a human. Why do you feel just mad? It's just like, because you're, you're human. And what I love about the book of Psalms, you can go and read the book of Psalms and you see these people writing songs of anger. Not, not that it's saying, okay, because you feel the way it's absolutely right, but it's saying it's okay to feel. Okay? And, and, and so one of the things though that we see in the book of Psalms here is, is that it says this, teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. The brevity means shortness. Lord, teach us how short life is. Why? Because when we know how short life is, when we actually realize I could be gone today, what will it help you do? It'll help you live more wisely. And that's what he is saying here. And that's my heart today is that we would live in light of leaving a legacy. When I say that word legacy, I want to give you a definition. It's living in light of your last day and knowing it will influence how you live your current day and inspire you to invest. Everyone say invest. Invest in what will ultimately outlive you. Let me ask you, what do you invest in every day that's going to outlive you? Right? And, 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 and this is because if we're not cognizant of that, then we will invest in things that only benefit us right here, right now. And that's what the culture wants you to do. The culture isn't saying live generationally, live thinking about generations. The culture is saying, YOLO, baby, it's you, boo-boo. Get all you can right here, right now. Live it up, do it. Don't worry about consequences. Just fulfill every desire you have. And that's the culture we're in. But the truth is this, it's not if you will leave a legacy, but what kind of legacy will you leave? Everyone's gonna leave one. Everybody. So the thing is, we have to think about not if we're gonna leave, but what kind. And that's what I really want us to dive into today. And I just wanna remind you, Jesus, you talk about a legacy lever. There ain't no legacy lever like Jesus. 
we are still feeling the effects and living from the effects of his legacy 2,000 years later. And I, and, I, and I think you have to even know that even beyond Jesus being Savior, Lord, King of Kings, like saving us as a follower of Jesus, as a Christian, the impact of Jesus' life lives on even for those that don't follow him. A couple thoughts here to maybe frame this for you. Number one, um, Jesus never wrote a book, but the Library of Congress holds more books about Jesus, 17,000, than about any other historical figure. Roughly twice as many as Shakespeare, the runner-up. One University of Chicago scholar has estimated that more has been written about Jesus in the last 20 years than in the previous 19 centuries combined. Jesus never ran for a political office, but more people have chosen him to be their leader than anyone else who has ever lived. Jesus was not formally educated, nor did he lecture in the classroom, but he has more students than anyone else who has, who has or ever will have. Jesus was not a therapist, but he has helped more people than all the counselors, therapists, and psychologists combined. Jesus was not an artist, but more work, artwork has been commissioned of him than anyone else who has ever lived. I just want to give you some words from, and these are, and these are historians that are not Christians. First off, Steve, Steve, uh, Stephen Neal says this. He who says Jesus also says history. H.G. Wells says, I am an, an historian. I'm not a believer. But I must confess as a historian that, his, that this penniless preacher from Nazareth is irrevocably the very center of history. Jesus Christ is easily the most dominant figure in all history. Kenneth Scott Latterett, he says this, as the, continue, as the centuries pass, the evidence is accumulating that measured by his effect on history, Jesus is the most influential life ever lived on this planet. Ortberg says this, he says, at first glance, Jesus' resume is rather simple. He never traveled more than a few hundred miles from his home, never held a political office, never wrote a book, never married, never had sex, never attended college, never visited a big city, and never won a poker tournament. More songs have been sung to him, artwork created of him, and books been written about him than anyone who has ever lived. And in fact, Jesus looms so large over history that we actually measure time by him. Our calendar is divided into the years before and after his birth, noted as B.C. and noted as A.D. I, I just think you, like, we have to have a framework for how giant the legacy Jesus left. Because just a reminder, this is the Jesus we follow. And this is the Jesus we can actually be like. And, and here's the thing. Jesus gives us a playbook on how to leave a legacy. That's one thing. When we read the Gospels, there are some principles that are absolutely clear for us that show us how we can leave. We might not be as popular as him, but we can, we can be impactful like him. We can live a life that reverberates and kind of like echoes out for years beyond us. And he has a playbook for that. And I think if we look at his life, we can see how Jesus left the greatest legacy. Let me ask you this. If you wanted to learn how to play basketball and Michael Jordan showed up and he said, you can be in my class for three years. I will personally disciple you on how to play basketball. Do you think that'd be a pretty good deal? He might choke you because he might get mad at you and he's got an anger problem. But, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I, I always joke, right? We always love, love Jordan. But there was no cell phones back in Jordan's day. <laughs> I can only imagine <laughs> what kind of person we would think Jordan would be if we had cell phones now. But just some of the stuff that the, the, they would have caught. But I digress. But here's the thing. We have this opportunity to learn how to leave a legacy from the greatest legacy lever ever. I think it'd be wise of us to, to look at his life and to say, how can we invest in some of the things that he invested in that, that helped his life outlive the life he lived? Does this make sense? Let's dive in today. I'm gonna give you four thoughts 
Four things that Jesus invested in, because that's a huge word when we think about legacy, outlasting. What do we invest in? Everybody ready? All right, number one, Jesus invested in himself. I think whenever we think about legacy, we don't think about this. We don't think about how much, Jesus, how much time Jesus took to invest in himself. I don't know if you know this, but the Bible really only documents like his birth up until he's about 12, and then 12 to 30, there's not a lot about, there's, there's nothing about the life of Jesus in the Gospels, but then you see from 30 to 33, the life of impact Jesus had. And I think it's, it's very interesting whenever you look at the life of Jesus and what he, what he accomplished, the people he, he healed, the people he taught, that Jesus emptied himself of his, of his divinity. Like I always say, it's like I think people think Jesus did what Jesus did because he was Jesus. But Jesus emptied himself of his godlike stuff. Meaning he didn't lose it, he just put it aside. And because he put it aside, Jesus shows you and I what is humanly possible in the life of, of a human being. So when we see Jesus doing what Jesus did, he was showing us what was actually possible. And I think if you don't realize that, then you will follow Jesus in somewhat of a hopeless manner because you will think I could never be or do what Jesus did because I'm just not God. But just remember, he emptied himself of his divinity, but then he was filled with the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit you and I, we have access to. Jesus lived a life of discipline. Jesus lived a life where it even says, right, Luke 2.52. It says, and Jesus grew. Can we just say Jesus grew? The fact that Jesus didn't come out of the womb as Jesus. He didn't come out like, it says Jesus grew in wisdom, meaning he grew in knowledge. He grew in stature, yes, but he grew in favor with God and man. Jesus grew. This should give you and I hope. Because if Jesus grew, how much more do we need to grow? And, and what the context is here is that his parents, Jesus' parents couldn't find him. So they lost Jesus. Can you imagine losing the Savior of the world? It's kind of an important thing to lose. They lost him, and when they found him, he was in the temple, 12 years old, talking with the rabbis, gaining knowledge and growing. What was Jesus doing? He was investing into who? Into himself. Jesus grew. And I just find it odd the amount of years Jesus probably invested into himself and the amount of years he had impact. If he invested 30 years, he did three years of public ministry, how many years did he invest per year of public ministry? Everyone in this culture wants to be an overnight success. Just overnight. Oh, someone on Facebook's doing it. Easy. And then everyone on Facebook wants to make it easy. But when you really dive into people who have like, we, we think become overnight what, whatever, how many hours have they invested into themselves, into their skills, into them growing? And that is what I think we see with Jesus' life.
And that doesn't sound very spiritual because we're always like, give away, give away, give away, which there is absolutely, Jesus gave away more than anybody, but Jesus was able to give away more than anybody because he had so much put inside of him to give. But even in the church, we spiritualize this. We're like, I just got to give away, give away. To, to, you know, I can't be about, I can't be about myself. I can't, you know, and, and I just think that's a great heart to have. We celebrate that. Yes, Jesus came to serve. Jesus came to give his life, but I think Jesus could give because he was given to. And so I just, I just feel like that there are some of you here, like, you just, you just need to be set free and encouraged that just knowing this, when you get better, everything around, and, or every, everyone and everything around you gets better. When you get better. But to get better, many times you have to invest in yourself. And let me just say this. If you have people around you that aren't encouraging you to invest in yourself, you might want to question who you have around you. Because they might be benefiting from you not investing in yourself. If there weren't people around you saying, I want to see you grow, make sure you're taking time for yourself make it you know make sure you're getting your time you know like just creating an environment of of like self-investment they're probably benefiting from the lack of that <laughs> and I, I i i just think you know because but there's also a fine line with this because we live in the biggest self generation ever self this self-care self 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 But I think the line is, is that when your goal is to pour back out, then you've got to realize you can only pour out what you got. Even Jesus, while, when, after he started his public ministry, Luke chapter 5, it says, yet the news, and, and this is when he was healing people and teaching people. He was like a rock star, thousands of people following him. News about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of his sickness. I mean, this dude is like a traveling evangelist, healing people, preaching. Everyone wants a piece of him. People are like, this is Jesus. Crowds gathered around. What does it say? But Jesus often did what? Withdrew to lonely places and did what? He said, these people need something I ain't got. I got to go get filled up. What was, what was Jesus doing? He was investing into himself. He was getting time away to say, Father, I need time with you. I can't give what I don't have. And I just think that some of you are trying to give something you don't have. And we can spiritualize it and you can say, yeah, but there's people that rely on me and, 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 and there probably are. But at the same time, if, 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 if you don't have some ways to be poured into, then you are going to be a sponge that ain't got a drip left. And let me tell you this, in this culture of busyness, this is something you're going to have to fight for. You know a word you're going to have to learn? No. <laughs> hey, dad, can I go here? No. Hey, mom, can, no. Hey, we're going to go out to the bar. No. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? You are going to have to fight to have this. 
But just know Jesus was able to pour out because he was poured into. You are no different. Jesus had limits. He took naps. He ate food. He was hungry. Jesus had limits. You will have limits. And until you, even some of you, your body is telling you you're at your limit, but you're not listening. Your anxiety, your panic attacks, you're not being able to eat. Your body is yelling at you, saying, fill me up. That is actually a spiritual thing to do. And in this culture, I'm telling you, this will not be celebrated many, many times, especially in the church. But if you're going to pour out, you need to make sure you have environments and places where you are being poured into, into your spirit so you can then go out and give away. This is, this is why a daily time with the Lord is absolutely vital. I mean, you need Jesus these days to go to Walmart. Every time I go to Walmart, I'm like, Lord, I, I, I mean, I've got more than able playing. You are more than able. <laughs> da, 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 da. When did I start to believe? You know, like, my Lord, I, I, I'm, I'm not Reggie. I need, Lord, I need you to film me before I go to Walmart. And we're coming up on the holidays. Y'all going to be around your family. But I hope you hear, hope you hear my heart. Jesus invested in himself, but he invested in himself so he could pour that back out. Not so he could be this pit of this never-ending self, self, self. You're all hearing me. Okay, secondly, Jesus invested into a small group of people. I know Facebook says you can have thousands of friends. <laughs> I know Instagram says you can have thousands of followers. I know that. I, I know everyone wants to be community. Everyone wants to be family. Like, come to our kickball fam, family. You know, come to our, everything's family. Those are great words. But at the end of the day, Jesus, the son of God, the king of kings, listen, he fed thousands, he preached to thousands, he healed thousands, but he only intimately invested into 12. God might use you to impact thousands, but your greatest legacy will be investing into a few. So I think it's important that you be wise in who those few are. Luke chapter six, this is Jesus. He said, one day soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray and he prayed to God, how long? How long? All night. He had a shut-in. This is what we call back in the old days. He had a shut-in prayer service. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and did what? What, what was the word? Chose. Twelve of them to be apostles. Here are the names. And Simon, Andrew, Peter, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, Simon, Judas, and Judas, right? So just, just, just a thought. Jesus prayed before choosing those who were who were close to him. It would be a good practice for us to do the same. Let me say that one more time. Jesus prayed before Jesus, can we go to that slide? 
Jesus prayed before choosing those who were close to him. It would be a good practice for us to do the same. I know you want to be friends with everybody. And you can be kind to a lot of people. You can be nice to a lot of people. But when it comes to like intimately giving yourself away to others, not everybody can have that part of you. And there will be people that will be mad at that. But just know Jesus prayed, and some of y'all need to pray who you're in relationship with. Can I just speak to this? Because sometimes your need dictates who you are in relationship with. So like you are needy, so you will go to another person who is needy to meet your need. And then it's two needy people trying to fill their need in each other. And that ain't good. Because you aren't actually filling the need, you're just delaying the need and making it worse. And so sometimes, like, yeah, like, honestly, you need to be praying and asking God for discernment. Who needs to be close to me, Lord, in this season? And you have to dig in and be like, do I want to be close to just, just because I have a need? Or, especially in relationships. Can I just talk to you all about relationships real quick? Dating. Some of y'all don't even pray about who you're going to date. They just look good. You lonely, you got a need, if you know what I'm saying. And you're not even praying. You're, you're just, I got a need. You need to invite the Lord into your relationships. Invite him in. Because I guarantee if you stay up all night praying, you're not going to be with the dude you're with. Or you're not going to be with the girl you're with. If you're going to put yourself in the presence of God for this long, he's going to talk, he talk to you. Because here's the thing. If you are investing, are they a long-term investment? Or is it going to give you a positive return? That's why you, and that's why you, have, to, you have to be wise. And what is who I'm investing in? Is this going to be the legacy that I want to leave? That's why Jesus prayed and chose. And yeah, he had one person turn his back on him. And sometimes that's going to happen. But Jesus wasn't mad. So, so just, just know, if you have a Judas in your, in your life, just know it's par for the course. Okay, no, number three. <laughs> Jesus... <laughs> Jesus invested into his spirit. And really, this could also be that Jesus invested into the spirit's work in his life. Okay? You are going to invest in one of two things, the flesh or the spirit. You just are. You're going to invest in one of the two because one of the two things is driving you as a follower of Jesus. Scripture says... You've got two fuel sources in your life, the flesh or the spirit. And you're going to fill one of those sources that's going to fuel what you do. 
there was this one scripture, Jesus, in John chapter four. It says, uh, Rabbi, eat something. So the disciples here are like, yo, Jesus, you just did ministry. You hungry. I don't know how many know. After church, I'm always hungry. When you do ministry, you hungry. When you go to church, you're hungry, right? So this is what happened. They were like, Rabbi, you just did ministry. You need to eat something. But this is what he said. He said, I, this is what Jesus said. I have food you know nothing about. He said, then his disciples, well, maybe who brought him food? <laughs> you got to love the disciples. They give us hope. Because we'd be saying the same thing. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. He was saying, what satiates my soul isn't, isn't physical food. It's the work that God gave me to do. Jesus had switched his source from his physical to his spirit. How does something get strong? It's tested. Something gets strong because it's tested. What did Jesus do to start his public ministry? He was led where? Into the wilderness. By who? The Holy Spirit. To do what? Get him strong. I love how we can want God to grow us, but never want test. We can want God, make us stronger. Make my spirit stronger. Make the fruits of the Holy Spirit stronger. Love, joy, peace, patience. I said patience. Patience. <laughs> Kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, fruit, you know, fruit, self-control. Self like, God, make these things stronger in me. Well, if these things are going to make their way out, it's going to have to be trained out of you. And that is what I think and what I preach all the time is you, as a follower of Jesus, you will not rise to the occasion or rise, you will sink to the level that you've trained to. Some of you are trying to do things that your spirit isn't yet strong enough for, that you are relying on the flesh to do. Like when Jesus blessed people that cursed him, Jesus was able to respond with love because he had trained himself. When Jesus was on the cross, blessing, telling people that, that he created, I forgive you for murdering me. He did not rise to the level of being that simply in that moment. He had trained because he had already died so much to his flesh. He had already said no so much to his flesh that when the moment was squeezing out of him, what came out was only Holy Spirit. And this is what, what I'm saying. You will, and this is why your daily decisions matter. Because you are choosing to invest in the flesh or the spirit. And you wonder why many times the flesh wins over the spirit. You have to ask, what, what atmosphere am I creating to invest in one of the two? But here's the great thing. Failure only reveals what you need work on. And as a follower of Jesus, you're safe in your failure. This is one of the beautiful things about following Jesus and having a training over trying mindset is that even in failure, Jesus is not like, you suck, you're terrible, get, get, get better. It's actually his grace to show you this is something you need to work on. Like some of y'all, when you fail, you need to go back and watch game tape. Analyze the situation. Man, when I cussed at that dude, and I was a jerk? Let me think about that. 
you need to look at, like, what, what have I been putting in my spirit? What have I been listening to? What have I been watching? What have I been scrolling? Honestly, you need to take time to evaluate and watch some game tape about the times you fail to where the flesh does better than the spirit instead of the spirit doing better than the flesh. Are y'all hearing me? But this is what training is. As followers of Jesus, we are not trying to be good so God will accept us. As followers of Jesus, we're already accepted. We're all, he's already paid for our sin. So now we're learning to live up to who we already are and God has already told us we are. So now we train where we're like, I want to live a life where the Holy Spirit exudes love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. These sorts of things are just growing and flourishing. That's why it's called the fruit of the Spirit. It's because it's planted and it's grown. And then it bears fruit. But that's why if you are investing in your flesh, you're crushing your fruit. So that's why you have to ask, what are you investing in? Is this making sense? Because if you want to leave a legacy, I guarantee the people will talk, the stuff that people will talk about at your funeral will not be your flesh. It will be what your spirit produced. It will be your love and your joy and your peace and your patience and your kindness and your gentleness and your faithfulness, your goodness and your self-control. That will be the kind of stuff that people will, man, he was so kind to me. He was so patient with me. She, are y'all hearing me? That will be the kind of stuff that will ultimately leave a legacy. All right, I got to hurry. Because we got starting point social. Okay, Jesus invested into his spirit. So Jesus invested into himself. He invested into a small group of people. And Jesus invested into, his, into, his, into the spirit's work in his life. And lastly, Jesus invested into the kingdom of God. Jesus invested, Jesus was investing in what would outlast him. Jesus said, like, really the whole context of Jesus' ministry was to come and bring the kingdom of God. Do you know what the kingdom of God is? The kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God in his ways. Jesus came to be a king. He did not come to bring a democracy. He did not come to, he came to bring a kingdom where his rule and his reign and his ways flood the earth. And so Jesus spent his life, spent his time, spent his three years building the kingdom of God. And what I want to encourage us to do is to be kingdom builders. Wherever you go, whatever you do, in whatever context, whatever job, whatever place, that we are not just looking at what we are building in the physical, but what we are building in the spiritual. And this is what gives you purpose, family. This is when Jesus said the great commission. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to, to obey me. What he was saying is, is go build the kingdom. In whatever avenue of life you are going, he says go. Where, wherever you are going, go and be a builder. To where if you go into the military, and you are in the military, and you go into your, your command station, and you are there, and you whatever job you have, you are being sent by Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, to go and bring the kingdom of God into that establishment. You don't go in there saying, da, 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 hello, I'm this person. I come to bring the rule and reign of Jesus here. No, but by the way you love, by the way you serve, by the way 
you come and bring the kingdom. If you work in the school system, you show up to your school every day. Ah, I get to build a little kingdom, a little kingdom of God here. That's full of love, joy, peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and self, self-control. If you're a stay-at-home mom, you get to every day build the kingdom of God in your little home. To where your kids feel like it's a little heaven on earth. Where you go to your job and you're building a little heaven on earth at your job. This is what, as followers of Jesus, we are called to do, is to go and invest and build as we are going, doing what we are doing. Because Scripture says, whatever you do, do what is unto the Lord. It's more concerned about the heart you're doing something with and what you're doing something for more than what you're doing. Jesus doesn't care what job you have. And I mean, don't be selling drugs or don't be trafficking. Don't be having a job that's sinning. But whatever you do, go and build the kingdom of God there. Build the kingdom of God there. Be a kingdom builder. Because this is, Jesus knew the kingdom of God would outlast him. Legacy-minded people strive to invest in what will outlast them. And y'all, this is what I want to encourage us to do and be. Is honestly, what, what are ultimately you building? Because here's, you are a builder. You can't not build. God made you to build. You are either building your kingdom or you're building his kingdom. Jesus was very binary. And I know in this culture, everyone hates binary stuff. Everyone wants a spectrum, okay? But Jesus was very binary. He said, you're gonna either build on a firm foundation or a sand foundation. Ain't a third. He said, you're gonna either follow the narrow road or the wide road. There ain't a half road. And I think we have to understand that Jesus is saying, you are going to build your kingdom or his kingdom. And the great thing is, is Jesus invites you to take your kingdom and build it in light of his kingdom. He's saying, build a business, but build it so the kingdom of God moves forward. If you're a business owner, if you are a leader here, like what? Go. Don't really leave. But when you leave, like this is what the church does, family. We gather as the church to be the body, and then we go and be his scattered body. This is what the church does. We gather and we go. We gather and we go. We gather and we go. We come and we celebrate the kingdom of God, and then we go and build the kingdom of God. Wherever we go, whatever we're doing. And my prayer is that you would invest and build whatever God has called you to build, but ultimately through what you're building, it would be the kingdom of God that you're actually building as you're building what God's called you to build. That the foundation of it would be his kingdom and for his kingdom and for his king and and for the king. This is what gives what you do purpose, y'all. Is it's not just about your success or your wealth or your anything. It's as, it's as God as your building. It's so people can see the king in his kingdom. Okay, we need keyboardists. Can you come up? That's what signifies we're closing. So I want to transition right, right, right now. And I, I want to invite us into saying, what does this mean for you? Y'all, my heart for our church is it would be a legacy-leaving church. A legacy-leaving church that when I'm dead and gone, I mean, you have churches nowadays that are a couple hundred years old. I'm like, what is Lifehouse going to look like a couple hundred years from now? Hopefully we'll have a building. (laughs) If we meet in Regal in 2200, (laughs) 
Jesus. Angela, come on now. We got to get a building. But y'all know what I'm saying. Like, but honestly, like, what is, what could God, like, is this, what, what do we want God to do in our church? We need to think about the next generation. We need to think about, like, are we investing in right now and what will carry the church forward? That's why I love to see the youth getting involved in different things in our church. We got little Caleb up here playing the little shaker thing. He's getting up, getting up here. He's, you know what I'm saying? Like, I love it. Let's get our kids and students involved. Get them to church. Invest in their spirits. Because we can't expect to see a harvest if we're not planning. We can't expect to see a result if we're not investing. So y'all, my heart is that y'all would look and say, what do you want to see? What do you want to see our church be? What do you want to see your life be? And by God's grace, the Holy Spirit would tell you, these are some things that you need to shift. Because some of y'all want to be cycle breakers in y'all's families. Some of y'all have cycles of divorce. You have cycles of debt. You, you have cycles of not being educated. Like, it's just, you have like a cycles of just, you know, living paycheck to paycheck, hoping you make it. And some of you want to be cycle breakers. And you have that power in your hand. But it will only be as you think about the end that will give you the power to make the right decisions now. But also thinking, I could be the one that breaks the cycle. I'm not a huge fan of college. I went to college. I graduated college. But I'm the first one in my family to graduate from college. And hopefully that I, that will show my boys, although what YouTube's teaching them is like, you shouldn't go to college, it's too much money. I'm like, whatever, you know. But I love the fact that they can know, hey, if you want to go, like, it's actually possible. It's actually doable. Some of you are trying to be the cycle breakers. And what will give you the fuel to be that cycle breaker? Because Jesus broke the ultimate cycle. He broke the cycle of sin and death and hell is you need to have him as your example and him as your fuel. We can see he invested in himself, he invested into a small group of people, he invested into his spirit and he invested into the kingdom of God. I pray we'd be people that would do the same. Stand up with me, church, come on. Let's, let's go ahead and pray. We're gonna receive communion together. But this is our time to respond to God's word today. We're going to end in just a few moments, but as, as we do, just want to invite you, like I said, do Theater 20 if, if you are new here for starting point social, but we're going to receive communion together before we do. If you do need communion elements, lift a hand. One of the ushers will get that to you. But before we receive communion today and celebrate the ultimate legacy lever in Jesus, I just want to ask that Maybe there are some of you here today. You've, you know, one of the things the scripture tells us to do that as we receive communion together, before we do it, that we are to examine ourselves to see if we are in the faith. That there's a part that we have to say, are we following Jesus? There's some of you here, you've never made a cognizant decision to give your life to the Lord. And I wanna invite you to do that today. There's some of you here today, you've followed him in the past, but you are off course and you are living your will, not his will. And today he's inviting you to say, come back, come back home. There's some of you here today, you are holding on 
to hurts, habits, and hangups that today, before we receive his body, you need to lay down and give to the Lord today. Whatever business you need to do with the Lord, I want to invite you to do it today. If I could just have your head bowed, head bowed, head, heads bowed, there we go, and your eyes closed. Lord, we invite your spirit here to move and speak. That's as we respond to the word, as we respond to be legacy-leaving people. God, we ask that you give us wisdom to put this word into practice, discernment. But if there are things that we're investing in relationally, if there are things that we're investing in with our work, if there are things that we are investing in that maybe we're trying to give out of a really empty cup, God, that you'll just give us wisdom and discernment how to put this message into practice today. In Jesus' name, with every head bowed, every eye closed, maybe today you're like, John, this is... But my next step today is I need to say yes to following Jesus. With every about, every eye closed. I'm just going to count to three when I do. There's nothing special about this, but it's simply inviting you and giving you a prompt. And maybe today you just need to say, John, I, I need to say yes. And we believe that when you say yes to following Jesus, what you're doing is you're opening up the door of your heart and you're welcoming him in. You're saying, Lord, I just don't want to be a, you need to be get out of hell free card. I want you to be Lord and Savior of my life. Just with every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you, I'm going to count to three when I do. If you would just say yes, if you just say yes, that's the way we do it here. So maybe you've gone off and you're not serving the Lord, but you want to come back home today. Just know his arms are wide open to welcome you. And just say yes today. Rather on the count of three, if that's you, just say yes. Ready? One, two, three. Lord, we thank you today for those that said yes. Thank you today, Lord, that you've called your children home. Lord, I, I pray today that they would know that as they've said yes today, God, a supernatural work has been done in their heart. Thank you for your work that you did on the cross, raising from rising from the dead so we could be sons and daughters of the living God. We thank you for that. If you said yes today, I just want to invite you to pray this prayer. I'm going to invite all of us to join in so we can pray it with those. But let's just all pray this prayer, especially those that said yes today. And let's say, all, all I'm doing through this prayer is taking your hand and putting it in Jesus' hand. All right? If, if you would just pray this out to me, Jesus, I give you my life, all of it, the good and the bad, in response to you giving your life for me. Jesus, thank you for doing what I could not do, living a perfect life and dying in my place for my sin, yet rising and defeating Satan, sin, and death. Jesus, thank you. I give my life to you. I will follow you all my days. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. And if today's message helped or inspired you, feel free to share it with someone. If after today's message you have questions, need help, or just want somebody to talk to or process with, just shoot LifeHouse a text to 757-690-2401. For more information about LifeHouse, you can visit us at lifehouseonline.church. That's lifehouseonline.church.